This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Now, back to your tech report. Alex Williams has been editing films, TV shows, videos for over 15 years, spanning commercials, feature films, and in February 2022, launched a new product designed for people in his space called Looper. Looper is a product that is designed to have real-time collaboration, whether you're working on a video project or an audio project. You can do that in real time. You can visit a set in real time and actually provide feedback. Alex, thank you for joining your tech report. It's so excited to meet you after NAB, even though we were both there a week ago. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's a pity we we missed out on each other, but I'm glad to get the chance to speak to you now. I guess with 65,000 people, I guess it's normal that we we, we might not be able to see everybody we want to see. Um, yeah, exactly. Alex, you're you're a film editor. You've been in this business for uh, quite some time, and um, you've launched a new product called Looper. Um, tell our audience, you know, in the in the nutshell, what Looper is. Uh, in a nutshell, at a very high level, think of it as Zoom for filmmakers. Uh, to get in a bit more depth, uh, it provides real time synchronous uh, review and approve uh, for film editors, directors, producers, sound mixers. Uh, and it's really the, the goal was it is to uh, enable real time remote collaboration uh, via the internet, uh, but to really make it feel like you're in the same room physically as as the people you're collaborating with. Now I'm going to ask you the obvious question, but obviously um, products and services like this are born from a problem, right? Someone encounters an issue and they're like, I need to figure this out, and they can't find a solution out there, so they go ahead and create it. Uh, was the pandemic your problem or was it something that you, you felt earlier on? It was something I actually felt about two years before the pandemic and uh, didn't do anything about uh, for some time. I'm an editor. I was an editor for a long time across feature films, TV and commercials um, and worked with a product that offered similar functionality, albeit at a very high price point with uh, really in-depth hardware requirements in 2019. And that that was kind of, as a, as a tool for work, I used it working with a director in LA, um, and we worked together really well. But I thought, damn, like kids are streaming on Twitch all day, every day. Um, you know, surely we can adapt this tech to the film industry and make these tools uh, easier, more accessible, and higher quality, um, and really package it up into an elegant experience. So my journey with the with, with the whole idea was definitely pre-pandemic, but it took me until the pandemic to actually start doing doing anything about it. Um, so yeah, it's been a bit of a journey and it's been a lot of fun. And it was very much something, yeah, it was something I built for myself. Um, and, and it quickly turned into something bigger and turned into a, a company. <laughs> was, was, what were the particular pain points that you experienced back then? Was it, was it really, was price really the only thing or the fact that you needed the specialized hardware? It was that it was, it was all of the above. It was, it was pricing was re- very much aimed at the big studios, um, and annual contracts and enterprise deals. And there was no one really catering to freelancers and indies and even, you know, small to, to mid-sized companies. That was one thing. The other thing was was the hardware requirements to do this sort of stuff and to to enable these workflows. Um, so I, I I realized very early on that we could do this in software only. And uh, number three was to package all you know ha- have it all 
wrapped up in a nice, elegant, easy to use interface that was really slick and sleek, and that was lacking in the market as well. Really, the and, and that's still something we get, we get compliments on today is the is the sleekness and, and and ease of use of the product. So yeah, it was it was multifaceted. I'm going to guess that your experience as an editor really helped helped lend it to that being different, right? Because knowing how you want to use this platform with others. Um, really gives you that perspective that other companies probably, they probably created something off the shelf because someone had a need. But when you come from the perspective of trying to solve a problem, did that give you the unique advantage that you find is, is benefiting consumers now? Absolutely. I think uh, it's been a huge advantage coming at it from that point of view, knowing exactly what the user needs and what they want. Also, how they use the product, what sort of projects they're working on, who they're working with, what the requirements, not just of of, of editors are, but also directors, producers, sound mixers across the board. My experience in post-production, you know, I, I came across that um, as we know. So it's not just what our customers want, it's what our it's what our customers' clients need and want because this is a tool that is used by our customers and their clients. Um, that was uh, incredibly useful to have that uh, background and knowledge and come at the product from that point of view. And it was something that I hadn't dawned on me. It now seems blatantly obvious, but that so many of these tools in the space for media and entertainment are created by people who've never actually worked in the trenches. Um, and I think it shows. Have, had you had any experience prior to this in developing a tool like this? Never. No, I don't come from a development experience background at all. I didn't know how to code. I didn't know how to do anything. I, I really had, uh, I was like a dog with a bone in, in terms of trying to get this off the ground. And um, it became my obsession. And I just thought, well, there's got to be a way to do this. Initially, just to solve a problem that I was having. Um, but it was a, a happy discovery because I very quickly realized I got the same rush and thrill from it as I did when I first started editing and first started out in the film industry. And I went, man, this is like a this is like a second passion of mine and um, it's really taken off and it still is to this day. I've, I taught myself, how, you know, I've got a co-founder who is from a tech background, so I haven't, by no means have I written every line of code, but I have written a lot of it and I continue to write a lot of it. So um, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to keep up with. I mean, I used to code years and years and years ago and because I, my, my own passion went to broadcasting, um, I lost a lot of it. So it's hard, it's hard to keep up with that and you got to really keep up with that kind of tools. Your, your vision for Looper when you first set out to create it, how how did it differ from when you first came up with the idea versus the first iteration that you made public? Well, it was, as I said, I, I the, as I said, the plan was to make a tool for myself and then decided to share it with other people and then quickly realized, hey, there's actually a need for this out there and maybe we should turn this into a product. And actually that sort of then took on a life of its own because you take on user feedback, you figure out what people want, they tell you what they want, uh, you hear stories of people using it in ways you never thought of. And um, so it was very different from I need a tool that does one, two, and three to uh, actually the community and the industry needs a tool that does one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Um, but still trying to remain focused on our on our core value proposition and, and, and what that is. So yeah, we've gone through a lot of iteration, which has been really good. We speak to users all the time, which is really useful. And a lot of a lot of use cases have come up all within the industry, but ways of using it, not just for client reviews, but in terms of training other people and training assistant editors, um, and and then you know implementing features to assist those types of workflows, which is something I, I never thought, you know, would happen. <laughs> was it a careful balance when you, I mean, obviously when you're, 
when you're planting the seed with other people, obviously you have people you trust that you wanted to share it with. Were you able to get everything everybody wanted in there? Are we still, this is going to be something that's going to be evolving over time? No, it'll be evolving over time. It's still evolving now. Um, you know, you have to choose what to, what to say yes to and what to implement. You have to also be very careful about what not to implement and, and have your reasons for doing so. You know, <laughs> my co-founder said to me early on that it's great to have features and feature ideas and feature requests, but everything you implement, you are responsible for. Um, it's not just the, you know, few hundred or few thousand lines of code that that feature constitutes all the support and maintenance behind and around that. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a lot of consideration goes into what to do and what not to do and trying to align that with the core values. Talk, talk to me about, um, uh, you know, the use cases. Obviously, you know, in my world, in an audio world, I can imagine, you know, playing back a mix and working on something in real time with people who can actually hear what I'm doing. I can imagine the same thing works in video where you're, you're no longer sending files, waiting for someone to give you feedback, not really understanding what they're trying to do. So obviously the benefits, uh, I mean, those are the benefits in my mind. Um, tell me about some of the features. Tell me how the process works and, and what the, the experiences have been. Obviously, you have customers now. What's their feedback been? Yeah, so it's uh, it's been overwhelmingly positive. Um, we have a lot of film editors as customers. We also have colorists and VFX artists and sound mixers and sound editors, um, which is kind of our target market. They've all, you know, some of them we've gone to, others have come to us and we're seeing an uh, in, 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 increase in reach uh, with those various segments of the market. Um, yeah, in terms of it, workflows, it really allows you to do over-the-shoulder review of, of, of work-in-progress work across those disciplines. Um, and of course, like you said, the the benefits uh, against an asynchronous approach to work are, are tremendous, right? Trying to export stuff, upload, wait for comments, not understand them, lose context, re, you know, do the work again, export again, upload. Um, especially in the sort of middle to later stages of a project where maybe you've done the initial cast or the sound mixes worked on their own or the colors work on their own to then come in and get the client feedback. Um, you can often spend hours or days doing stuff back and forth that you could have done in half a day in real time if you're just in the same room. And so that's been the goal with Looper is to try and make it feel like you are in the same room and to enable that, that speed of work. Um, and it's not just about saving time and the speed of work. It's also about, and this is the thing that I love hearing, uh, people say that it's like they are in the same room together and they can maintain relationships. It's really impersonal trying to do that asynchronously or via email. Um, so it's about building, it's about maintaining existing relationships that you've had with people. It's about building new relationships with clients and being able to work with people across various countries or, or even across the same city. Um, and then further than that, across time zones and being able to work with people you wouldn't necessarily have worked with before. You've made Looper extremely accessible and affordable. Was that the goal from the onset? Uh, is it hard to do that when you're developing something from scratch? Uh, yeah, it is hard and it has been the goal from the outset. We have targeted the freelance community and those that we felt were left behind, um, like I said, by, by, by the other tools which are... Uh, aimed directly squarely at, at enterprise with you know pricing and hardware requirements to match. So we very much have have taken an approach that these workflows and abilities should be democratized. Um, we think that there's a big freelance market out there to take advantage of this. At the same time, though, in, in initially targeting uh, the smaller companies and the freelancers and the one-man bands, we have had interest from the larger studios as well. And so that's another part of the company that we're spending a lot more time on now. Um, we'll never stop serving the freelancers um, and, and, and the smaller customers, but there is 
uh, a lot of interest coming from from bigger studios and, and post facilities. Um, so it's kind of a dual track approach for us now, um, having both both customer segments in our uh, in our pipeline. Now your your own team is distributed across time zones and locations. Uh, was that like that from the start? Was that an intentional thing or just kind of happened? Uh, it just kind of happened. We are distributed across time zones, uh, which is both a good and a bad thing. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it pretty much happened by accident. Um, I really found very fortunately some very talented people who believed in the, in, in, in the vision and believed in what we were trying to do. And they just so happened to be, uh, each of us is in a different continent, um, and that was not by design. And, uh, but it was it was it's really about attracting the right sort of people and the right sort of talent, and um, and not worrying too much about location. And of course, if we're going to be pro- uh, proponents of remote collaboration, then uh, I feel like we need to <laughs> embrace that ourselves. Um, one of the things I found at NAB this year, I mean, you know, having been there about a week ago, was everybody seemed to be talking about just cloud production. That's all. I mean. That probably was the overall theme. It was just production with remote teams and remote locations, which which I mean, I think if you look at the writings on the wall from the pandemic, this is what everybody was trying to solve. And people were doing this. I, was was that that an intentional thing on your part, being kind of at the right place at the right time? Or is it just the way the world has just traveled? I think it's the right place at the right time. I had a feeling it would happen. Of course, the pandemic accelerated a lot of these workflows massively. Um, I think we're all heading this way already, but I think the pandemic accelerated it tremendously. Uh, I think at last year's NAB, there was a lot of talk about collaboration and the cloud and uh, maybe not as many tools and options out there to actually take you know advantage of that. This year's NAB was a little different in that everyone was talking about it, but there were a whole bunch of new tools out there which actually uh, catered to it. And um, it's interesting to see how broad that spectrum is of cloud collaboration. What does it mean? There are different types of collaboration. Um, is it internal? Is it external? Uh, you know, we've always been focused very much on the uh, real-time review and approve with your team internally or externally. Um, and it's about giving access to real-time live synchronous content um, in the browser, whereas there are, you know, half a dozen other workflow requirements of, of large studios. So, so we kind of see us as fitting into that interface between teams and clients um, part of the process. And, you know, your, your solution works with, um, I'm guessing, every single piece of software that's out there being browser-based, you know, as long as you can see it and hear it, you can share that over the internet, right? Exactly right, yeah. So there's, on the on the streamer side, there's, a, we're kind of, we're open. A lot of facilities do have hardware that they want to leverage as Looper, which is not proprietary hardware. It's hardware they already have. So they do that. Um, there are software-only uh, connection options. Um, and then on the client side, in terms of people who log in and view and review and approve, uh, that is all browser-based, so it's it's really simple across various devices, desktop, mobile, tablet, um, and that makes it just super accessible. Yeah, I mean, I could be able to just join a live session. I mean, you could even join a, a real-time production that's filming right on set. Exactly, yeah, and, um, and, and that's been the bit of feedback we also yeah. love to get is that people just say, man, there are other solutions out there that are clunky and require user setup and res- registration and downloads, and we have from the outset and this is maybe where my background in post came into play quite handily. Uh, you know, someone said to me the other day, there are two types of users, those who can't set it up and those who won't set it up. And um, <laughs> you, you, you just want a link. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we've built various permission controls on top of that for those who need it. But at its core, all you need to join a Looper session is a link. And, and that 
you know, will be the case going forward. Well, I'm excited to try it out myself, to be perfectly honest, because this this upload versions, I mean, the, the amount of time wasted is just astronomical. So the benefits right out of the gate, I think for anybody creating any content with somebody else is is uh, absolutely amazing. Where, where do you see things in a couple of years from now? What do you how do you continue to develop it while keeping your passion still alive? Because obviously you don't want to stop editing because you love doing that. And now you found this new love. How do you balance it all? Um, I, with with uh, difficulty and with a very understanding wife is how I balance it all. <laughs> I have, um, and in fact, the uh, demands of Loop and the growth has ne- uh, necessitated that I take a slight step back from editing. So it'll always be a love of mine, and it'll, you know, I've still got a couple of small passion projects on the go because I just love editing, and I, I will always do that. But in terms of business and the company, Loop is my uh, main focus right now, uh, far and away. In the next couple of years, there are various improvements we want to make to the product and additional features, um, like you know HDR and ten uh, bit, twelve bit support for colorists. There are various things we want to do on uh, software integration side of things and, and making it easier to connect various software and expand into, into more uh, software integrations uh, so that it can really be used by the full widths and breadth of the post-production and production communities. Uh, so on the product side, there's a, there's a lot to do on the product side and that never stops. And um, that's my great love really is product design and iteration and development. Uh, and then on the business side, I, I, you know, I see us growing at a fairly rapid pace um, on, a, on a dual track approach, which, uh, like I said before, is the, the freelance indie filmmaker side. Uh, and then, of course, the, and the enterprise and studio side of things. Um, so there's a lot to keep us busy. Well, congrats on the success. Uh, congrats on keeping this accessible to everybody. I mean, we're start talking about a free tier. Uh, you've got the plus of 39 US dollars, $99 for the pro. And of course, you know, depending on the size you need, you can get in touch with you guys. Looper, L-O-U-P-E-R.io is the website address. Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Come back. Tell us when you've got new serv- new new features to throw on there. And, uh, and we're going to probably put together a video just demoing it for people so they can see how it works. Absolutely. Thanks very much for having me, Mark. That is Alex Williams, the creator and founder of Looper, L-O-U-P-E-R.io. ER.io. Check it out right now if you're into that uh, creative space. This is your tech report. There's more your tech report after this. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.